invite you to open up God's Word with me this morning to the book of Exodus. We're in Exodus chapter 25 today. Been journeying through this portion of God's Word, specifically with instructions regarding the building of the tabernacle, portable tent or sanctuary where God will dwell among His people. But you know, God doesn't give up on His people. God does hold them fast. He does hold us fast. He he doesn't abandon those to whom He has committed Himself. And one of the ways that God demonstrates His care for His people is by not leaving them in the dark. Have you ever been left in the dark? Ever been in the dark to the point that you could not see without some sort of light in front of you? Quick story, yesterday this sort of happened to us. We spent the year, or not the year, the day, it felt like a year, I'll say that much. We spent the day uh, at the softball park for a tournament with many delays throughout the day and scheduling challenges. And finally we were making some progress late last night. Began a game about 9.45 p.m. And so if my kids uh, are not on uh, sort of their top tier behavior this morning, if they fall asleep during the, the, the sermon, you'll uh, know why if the pastor falls asleep during the sermon you'll know why but at 10 o'clock it began a downpour uh well shortly before 10 o'clock but right at 10 the clock struck 10 and the lights to the park went out we just started the game and you could not see the place was a zoo you didn't know where to go and finally after staring at each other and waiting around for a little while while it poured down in rain uh, the tournament was called and so we all went on to better things went to, to bed uh, have you ever been left in the dark? We, we've all been in the dark at some point or another, perhaps uh, knowing that we would be in the, in the dark or, or maybe surprised by the dark, as in this case. Well, long before field lights, right? long before any other form of uh, electricity uh, or demonstration of, of power through light, God told his people to build a tabernacle told them to build a tent, a place where he would dwell among them in the desert of Sinai. And this tent where God would dwell among his people uh, was to be four layers thick. Two layers of curtains that were, uh, or cloths that were, that were overlaid by another two layers of animal skins. This was a thick tent. This was not like the tent that you buy and go camping with in your backyard or at the state park or wherever. This was a thick tent. And as we're seeing and have been seeing over the last few weeks, the furnishings of the tent communicated God's character, communicated his his character and provided the means through which the priests were to facilitate and demonstrate God's relationship with his people. And today we come to the third object in the tent, which was the lampstand illuminating the tent, thus showing the way to God. And so as we Find our place in God's Word. Let me invite you, as is our practice here, to join me standing, uh, whether in body or in spirit, for the reading of God's Holy Word. Let's hear from the Lord. Let's hear from God. God says in Exodus chapter 25, beginning in verse 31, He says, Make a lampstand of pure gold. Hammer out its base and shaft and make its flower-like cups, buds, and blossoms of one piece with them. Six branches are to extend from the sides of the lampstand, three on one side and three on the other. Three cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms are to be on one branch, three on the next branch, and the same for all six branches extending from the lampstand. And on the lampstand there are to be four cups 
shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms. One bud shall be under the first pair of branches extending from the lampstand, a second bud under the second pair, and a third bud under the third pair, six branches in all. The buds and branches shall all be of one piece with the lampstand hammered out of pure gold. Then make it seven lamps and set them up on it so that they light the space in front of it. Its wick trimmers and trays are to be of pure gold. A talent of pure gold is to be used for the lampstand and all these accessories. See that you make them according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Would you bow with me? Father, we acknowledge this morning that you are a good God. You're a God who speaks, Lord, a God who has spoken through your word, a God who still speaks through your word. And so, Lord, we ask you to speak now to us, to instruct us, to guide us by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit through the reading and preaching of your word. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Well, if you've ever seen a menorah or a picture of a menorah, then you have the basic idea of this lampstand. And we've got uh, an image of it, a portrait of it, uh, a rendering of it on the screens. But God says to Moses, essentially, make a lampstand of pure gold and make it look like a flowering almond tree with six branches, three on one side and three the opposite with buds and blossoms and flowers up and down these branches. Make it out of a talent or about 75 pounds of pure gold and make it all one piece. In addition to this, he says, make seven lamps, wick trimmers and trays, and use the lamps to light the space in front of it, which included the table of bread that we read about last week, but also the rest of this room. Once again, all the pieces in this tabernacle were made of gold, signifying God's majesty. But more particularly, this lampstand taught and reminded Israel that God gives life and light to his people. God is a God who gives life and light to his people. He gives life and light to his people. And not just physical, but also spiritual. God gives spiritual life and spiritual light to his people. But even so, this lampstand did serve a very practical function. In the tabernacle, the lampstand lit the way to God. It lit the way to God. Quite literally, God dwelt in the tent. And we saw this a couple weeks ago when we read the instructions about the Ark of the Covenant and the cherubim that were on that atonement cover, and God says, I'm going to meet with you, Moses, there above the cherubim. God dwelt in the tent above the cherubim in the most holy place. But remember that the tabernacle also had a holy place, a holy place separated by a curtain from the most holy place. And in the holy place, this lampstand lit the room so the priests could perform their duties in the presence of God. And one of these duties... One of these services was to keep these seven lamps lit all the time. From evening till morning. The lampstand itself was not God. In fact, nothing in the tabernacle was to depict God himself. But it represented God's presence among his people. Reminding them that he gives life and light to his people. God gives life To his people. He's a God who gives life to us. The lampstand was hammered to depict an almond tree. 
that was simultaneously budding and blooming and ripening with fruit. A visible picture of God's life-giving power. I have to understand that almond flowers appear early in the spring, perhaps serving here as an image of hope and expectation for the growing season that is ahead. And furthermore, this whole tabernacle recalls, we haven't discussed this so far, but intentionally recalls the Garden of Eden. God's plan and paradise in the beginning where he put Adam and Eve, where God walked among his people and provided for all of their needs. And so the lampstand then reminds Israel, is meant to remind God's people of the tree of life. The tree in that garden that God gave Adam and Eve to teach them to look to him as their source of life and sustenance. So in the tabernacle, the lampstand showed that God gives life to his people and it portrayed that God gives light to his people. He gives light to his people. Yes, the, the lampstand served a practical function in the tent, but even more so, it conveyed that God is the source of all light. It's like a lamp in your home signifies that you're home. So this lamp in God's tent signified that he was there, that he was in the tent, that he was residing among his people. Where God is, there is light for, as the scriptures say, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Of course, this doesn't just mean that his presence shines brightly physically, but also that he is the source of knowledge and truth. And that as we draw near to him and as we hear from him, we learn, the Holy Spirit guides us to to learn and to live according to the truth. Like the tree imagery, the lights of the lampstand also recall creation. The beginning, where God said, let there be light, right? And there was light. Church, our God is the source of all light. He gives light to his creation, but friends, he also provides the light of salvation. He provides the light of redemption. And this is why the psalmist would pray, send me your light and your faithful care. God, let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell, God. The light in the tabernacle lit the way to God. God provided the light. He provided the way. He illumines the way. God illumines the way of salvation. He illumines the way of reconciliation. He illumines the way of redemption, of of restoration, of right relationship between himself and a sinful humanity. You see, in the tabernacle, the lampstand lit the way to God, preparing and pointing The way for the one who would come and provide the lasting way into fellowship with God. Church, he has come. In Jesus, we have access to God. In Jesus, the Son of God and Savior of the world, we have access into the presence of God. We have access to God himself. God gives life and light to his people. And Jesus embodies that life and light. In fact, Jesus fulfills God's promise to give life and light to his people. In Jesus, we have access to God. He is the way. He himself is the one who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Friends, God gives life to his people and that life flows 
through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the life. He is the life. In fact, when Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, when Jesus talked about being spiritually reborn, given new life, when Jesus talked about entering heaven, he said, everyone who believes may have eternal life in me. The same Jesus went on to say in John chapter 6, he said, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have what? Shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. On another occasion, Jesus had gone to meet with His grieving friends. He was grieving with Martha, a dear friend whose brother Lazarus had just died. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection And the life, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. Friends, Jesus Christ is the life and the giver of eternal life. But not only is Jesus the life, Jesus Christ is the light. He is the light. In fact, long before the Messiah's birth, he's portrayed as a light for those living in Darkness concerning this Messiah, concerning our Savior, concerning Jesus who would come. The prophet Isaiah says the people walking in darkness, meaning those living in sin, have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep deep darkness, a light has dawned. A light has dawned, implying this sudden joy. This sudden joy of salvation by grace through the Messiah, through Jesus. And as a light for the nations, God says concerning this Messiah, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Doesn't that sound a lot like God's promised Father Abraham that through his offspring all nations of the world would be blessed. And in anticipation of the Messiah's arrival, John the evangelist announces that this light was coming. He says the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And John goes on in his gospel account to declare loud and clear again and again and again that he has come. That the light has come. That the giver of life and the giver of light has arrived. John says, turn to him. Turn to him in faith. Believe in him. He says, I'm writing so that you may know that he's the Messiah. And have life in his name. You see, when Jesus spoke to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That is the light that produces light. Life. The light that produces life. As the light, Jesus brings us true knowledge of God's good and eternal purposes for his children. And Jesus shows us the way to God. And Jesus, God's grace, extends to us sinners. Extends to us, providing complete forgiveness and lasting access to God. So friends, look to the light of the world for life beyond this world. Look to this one who has come. Look to this Savior who was sent from the Father. Look to the light of the world for life beyond this world. In John's theological account of the life of Christ, he writes in John chapter 1, he says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Has not overcome it or has not understood it. 
The darkness has not overcome nor understood the light of the world. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Friends, this is a warning. This is a warning at the outset of John's gospel to us that many reject him. That's what's meant by the darkness. Many reject the love of God shining through the light of the Savior. Don't you dare reject him. Don't miss Don't miss God's love for you expressed at the coming, living, dying, and rising of Jesus in your place. Don't miss God's love for you. Jesus has come in fulfillment of God's plan. Fulfillment of God's written plan that was written before the foundation of the world. He has come shining the light of life for whosoever will believe to receive. Have you believed to receive? Have you turned to the light? And receive life in Him. Forgiveness of sins. Eternal life in Him. Look to the light of the world. For life beyond this world. For the life God created you to have. For the life that God desires for you. As His special possession. As His chosen people. As the greater fulfillment of what God began at Sinai with Israel. For you church. The Bible says are a chosen people. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. That says you're you're a holy nation. You are God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who what? Who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Have you been called out of darkness into God's wonderful, his marvelous light? Whoever follows Jesus... Whoever turns to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith, whoever turns to Jesus has been called out of darkness and into the light, meaning our eyes have been opened to the depth of our sin and the magnitude of God's unfailing love that rescues us from the bondage of our sin and gives us new life in Him and leads us to eternity with Him. Friends, this is good news. God describes this eternal place, this eternity with Him as His perfect city. A perfect place where he is with, get this, a tree of life sustaining his people all year long and forever. A place where God will dwell with his people. There will be no temple structure there for the whole city will be a temple. His full presence will extend throughout that place, giving unhindered and constant access to him. Friends, in that place, God gives life. And light to his people. He will give life and light to his people forever. And the Bible says that this city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light. And the Lamb is its lamp. The Lamb of God. Jesus, who takes away our sins, the the light of the world, is the lamp of heaven, the Bible says. And friends, there is no path to God apart from Him. Look to the light of the world for life beyond this world. But as long as you're in this world, as long as you're in this world, shine the light of the way to the world. Friends, in the tabernacle, the lampstand lit the way to God. In Jesus, we have access to God. And through the church, God shines the light of the way to the world. Through the church, this is his plan. Through the church, through God's people, God shines the light of the way to the world. In fact, God employs this lampstand imagery in the book of Revelation as an image of the church. As an image of of local churches. 
Every church is a lampstand called to shine the light of Jesus to the world. But to the church that fails to shine the light of Jesus, Jesus says, he warns, he says, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. See, the church is God's plan to shine the light of Jesus to the world. And where a church is not about the gospel, Jesus is saying, you are not my people. You're not acting like my people. For Jesus told his people, you are the light of the world. Remember those words. Jesus said, you, you're, you're the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Jesus says, in the same way, believer, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, through the church, God desires to shine the light of the way to the world. So friends, let's let our light shine for God's glory. Let your light shine for God's glory. Are you shining the light of life in Jesus? Are you sharing and showing the love of Jesus Christ so that others may come to know Christ? So you don't have to utilize the bless every home tool. Many of you are. You don't have to join us on the 14th in the afternoon to go out into the community. Many of you will. I pray that more of you will. These are simply tools that allow us to work together in seeing the Great Commission fulfilled right here in our neighborhood. But whether or not we do these things, we are called. We will, if we know the light, we will share and show the love of Jesus to those around us, to those within our families, to those within our community, to those that the Lord brings in our path. And if we don't, Perhaps we don't know the light. Do you know the light? Look to the light of the world. For life beyond this world. Do you know the light of the world? I'd love to tell you about the light of the world. He is good. He gives life. He changes lives. He forgives sin. He invites us into his family now and forevermore. Do you know the light of the world? Father, may we come to know you, the giver of life and light. Lord, you are good. You are gracious. Lord, you are holy. And Lord, as we are reading your word and specifically as we are reading this portion of your word, we can't help but notice your majesty, your holiness, that you are distinct, that you are incomparable, that you're glorious, that you're set apart. Father, that there are parameters surrounding how people enter your presence. And because of our sin, we cannot simply barge into your presence. For sin separates and you are just, you are righteous. Or do you always do what is right? And yet in your mercy, in your good plan, your gracious plan, your patient character, your kindness, Lord, you desire to be in relationship with us. Lord, you desire to be in a relationship with us that is unhindered by our own sin. Lord, by our own rebellion, by our own mistakes. And Father, because you desire it, you have provided a way through Jesus, your Son, our Savior, the light of the world, or the way and the truth and the life. Father, we thank you for the good news of life in Jesus. Lord, we pray that as people of faith, that we would cling to this light Father, that we would be reminded of your grace and your provision. Father, that we would walk with you. Lord, that we would draw near to you. 
Lord, that we would commune with you and that, Lord, out of the overflow of our communion with you, your light would shine through us. Lord, guide us in that way. Help us to believe your gospel. Lord, help us to live your gospel for the glory of your name. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.